to turn in your Bibles to Philemon chapter 1, which is only one chapter. And I want to read verse 6. I want to remind you of this. This is a third part of a message on work the altar. Work the altar. And um, <clears throat> this is probably the last part of this message that I'm going to give you tonight. So I'm coming to this scripture so that it will be fresh in your in your spirit and um, because this has been one of the focal points that we have been building from. The Bible says that the communication of your faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. Now look at that. The communication or the giving, the sharing of your faith may become effectual, which is to be effective, demonstrative. Visible, seen, actually accomplishing something. How many of you want your faith to accomplish something? And it happens by acknowledging every good thing which is in you in Christ. Now, if Christ is in you, then is there anything really that you face that is an impossibility for him? And I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But you have to acknowledge every good thing that's in you in Christ. <clears throat> and I believe that when we do that, we're literally activating our faith. It's becoming alive. It's going to become seen. Instead of this, I think that oftentimes Christians deactivate their faith. Instead of acknowledging every good thing that's in them in Christ, they begin to look at every horrible thing that's in them. Every reason why they can't serve God. Every excuse that would seem to disqualify them from the service of God. But the Bible doesn't tell you to look at that. Actually, the Bible doesn't even tell you to look at yourself. The Bible says to look at Jesus Christ and acknowledge all of the good things that are in him. And he lives in you. And so the answer to every problem that is in your life is in Jesus Christ. And Jesus is in you. And if we want to see a dynamic testimony of Jesus in the earth again, then we're going to have to understand it is not going to happen from the preacher on TV or the pastor behind a pulpit. But it is going to be the result of Christians, lay people, common Christians who are full of the Holy Spirit and Jesus lives in them and they know who they are. They know what Jesus is, and they know that because he's in my life, the answer to everything is within me. It's not me. He lives in me, and I can give that. I can give that to people that are in need in my life. And so I just pray that you would take that to heart, and I pray that you would understand it. Because even when I say this, it is so common that so many Christians hardly even move. To exercise their faith. To believe God to do miracles. Maybe we don't go pray with people. We just sit in our seat. And we're not actively being effectual. Acknowledging what good things are in us. Believing God for miracles in people's lives. We just are spectators watching. Now if you're there and you're praying and you're interceding. Praise God. Because that is powerful. That is effective. You know, but I want you to understand faith has to have action to it. Faith without works is dead. 
Now, I want you to go with me to 1 Peter. We're going to read a few scriptures tonight. And then I'm just going to talk to you for a few minutes about the battle in the altar. The battle in the altar. And we have to work the altar. And in 1 Peter chapter 6, he tells us in verse 3, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance incorruptible, And undefiled and that fades not away, reserved in heaven for you. You who are kept by the power of God, that's grace. That is God and his power keeping you. You're kept by the power of God through faith. How are we saved? By grace through faith. That's how you're kept. By grace through faith. By the power of God through faith. Unto salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. So you are saved, you're walking with God, you're believing God, and you're a Christian, and it tells us very real things that can happen in your life. Wherein you greatly rejoice that you're saved, heaven's your hope, you're going to be with God forever, but now for a season, if need be, you are in heaviness through manifold temptations, that the trial of your faith, being much more precious than of gold that perish though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor at the glory and the glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. And so I just want you to see this. You're a born-again Christian. You're kept by the power of God through faith. You have a hope that is held for you in heaven. It's an incorruptible hope. It is not going to tarnish or fade away. God's going to bring you there. God is going to get you there. But sometimes on the journey to get there, you're going to go through heaviness and manifold temptations. So listen to me. And it says, if need be. And therefore, it is possible. And it is probable and is also common for good Christians walking with God, finding themselves in a season of heaviness. I'm just heavy. I'm just going through something. It seems like a shroud is over me. It seems like a dark blanket has fallen over my life and I can't seem to get out of it. And it's a season of life that you are in. And the Bible says, and even may call this the trying of your faith. There are manifold temptations that come with that heaviness. Satan begins to hit you from every angle. Satan hits you from the world. He hits you spiritually. He hits you from people. He hits you in your heart. He hits you in your thoughts. He hits you in your job. He's hitting you from every angle because he knows it's a season of heaviness for you. And it's the trying of your faith, which just simply means this, that Satan has an objective that in this season of your life, When things are very heavy and you're under a manifold temptation, Satan takes advantage of that to overthrow your faith. He wants you to doubt God. He wants you to question God. He wants you to insinuate or feel as though God has failed you. 
God does not care about you. God has not seen my problems. God has not seen my distress. And Satan comes along and he says, look at the other Christians. They're always happy. Everything always goes well for them. They're always given praises about God, how God helped them, how God brought them through this, how God brought them through that. But look at you. God doesn't bring you through anything. Why don't you just quit? Why don't you just give up? Why don't you just walk away from all of this? Don't you know that life was easier for you before you became a Christian? And now it's all heavy and Christians are judging you and people are always on your back and they're always on your case. And there's just a big, big burden in your life. Just quit. Just give up. And that's what Satan is trying to do. Haven't you been there? And that's what Satan is trying to do through your, to your life. But Jesus, what he's doing with your life and your faith, he's perfecting it. He wants to make your faith stronger. He wants you to believe God in the darkness. He doesn't want you to live by sight. He wants you to live by faith. He doesn't want you to make it because you got a good feeling. He wants you to make it when you don't have a bad feeling. He doesn't want you to keep going because you see the light at the end of the tunnel. For that's living by sight. But Jesus wants you to learn to live by faith. And when I don't see a light at the end of the tunnel, I believe that there is one. And I believe there is an end. And I believe I'm coming through it. And you begin to live by faith. And when you live by faith, you come to a place where you're defeating devils. You're defeating things in your life. And the next battle, you're more skilled in it. You're, 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 you're more quick to win. Because you're learning what it is to live by faith. And too many Christians, especially in our day today, they're weak and they're timid, they're soft, they're easily broken, they're fragile, and they have to have a feeling, and I have to have sight, and I have to have evidence of so. Well, faith is your evidence. I believe God. I believe God. And so we hope in the Lord and we trust in the Lord. Now, the Bible, as you remember, says in Ephesians chapter 6, our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil, spiritual forces in the heavens. The King James says it this way, and I like the way the King James says it best, for we wrestle, we wrestle. And listen to me, Christian, you are to wrestle. And why are you to wrestle? Why does God put you in the wrestling? Because he has given you armor and power and might to win. He never sends you to go into some type of spiritual wrestling that he knows he has not already equipped you to overcome the enemy. You're not going into a contest with the possibility of losing. You're going into the contest with it already won. So the Bible says, jump in there and wrestle. Start doing some fighting, but not with people. Don't fight with people. Somebody's gossiping about you. Somebody's slandering you. Somebody's insulting you. Somebody's judging you. Somebody's not looking at you or giving you the attention that you want. And you have this desire to begin to fight back and fight them and fight flesh and blood. You're fighting the wrong battle. You're getting on Satan's ground there. Rather, put on the armor of God and fight against principalities and powers of darkness. That that person is not my enemy. I'm not going to waste my time or my effort or my energy fighting gossip. 
And fighting slander. And fighting somebody's reproach of me. Or fighting somebody that hates me. I'm not going to waste my time and my effort and my energy in that. I'm going to the source and I'm going to fight hell. And I'm not going to allow this to win. you got to wrestle. Listen, the Bible does not suggest that you might wrestle. The Bible does not give you an option whether you can or cannot wrestle. The Bible says you do. We wrestle. And we need to be soldiers of Jesus Christ. We have tried so hard in our life to run to places of comfort. To run to places of ease. I came and gave my life to Jesus Christ because I wanted ease in life. I wanted everything to go well. And then somebody lied to you maybe when they were sharing the gospel with you. That if you give your life to Jesus, everything will be fine. Well, it will in heaven, but it won't here. It's going to be a battle. You got to be a soldier. You're going to fight. You got to put on some armor and you got to stand against the devil because whether you like it or not, he's coming and he's going to test you and you better stand up against him toe to toe in the authority of Jesus Christ and take him down. Take him down. But sometimes we need help. We need people to fight with us. We need people to wrestle with us. We need people to believe with us. Russell shared a testimony in the prayer meeting a couple of Sunday nights ago. And he talked about a situation where his son was put in jail. And he began in that moment just a season of heaviness that came over him in darkness. And he began to reach out to his brothers in Christ. And he began to share with them the conflict that he was in. And then it wasn't long after that he started receiving phone calls and texts from his brothers in Christ who were giving him words of admonition. They were praying for him. They were interceding for him. And it wasn't but I think about a day, maybe just a little bit longer, that his son who was put in jail was then released from jail. And it was an absolute miracle that he was. But God fought for him because Christian men fought together. You ought to count yourself blessed if you're in a church that will fight with you. You ought to count yourself blessed if you're in a church where people know one another and their family. And they care for one another. And they're going to serve one another and they're going to fight together. And your problems are not insignificant. But they're going to take it seriously and they're going to take it to the throne of God. They're going to pull down the powers of darkness that want to wreck your faith. That is a blessing. And it's not common. And it is a great blessing to be able to have. I want you to read this with me in 2 Corinthians chapter 2. With just two more scriptures that I want us to read. In 2 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul says this. And he says in verse 4, Out of much affliction and anguish of heart, I wrote to you with many tears, not that you should be grieved, but that you might know the love which I have more abundantly unto you. But if any man have caused grief, he's not grieved me, but in part, that I may not overcharge you all. Sufficient to such a man is the punishment, which was inflicted of many. And there was a man in the church who was having an incestual relationship with his father's wife. And the church was allowing it. And when Paul heard of it, he said that this man, if he is not going to repent, then he needs to be removed from the church. And he needs to be handed over to Satan. 
so that his soul may be saved. Churches operated like that today. There'd be a lot more of God's presence and a lot more of deliverance. And a lot more of his witness in the city. And so they did this and they removed the man from the church. And just as Paul's desire was, he repented. And he got himself right with God. And now the church is keeping him out of the church because that's what Paul told them to do. So Paul has to write back to them and say, wait, we wanted repentance. So let's let him back in. And so he says this sufficient to such a man as the punishment which was inflicted of many. All of you did this as a church to him. So that contrary wise, you ought rather to forgive him. And comfort him, lest perhaps such a one should be swallowed up with overmuch sorrow. If you have a church that'll do this, you ought to count yourself blessed. Jeff shared a testimony with us today. He just came back from Nebraska preaching with Aaron Trimble. And a lady came to the church, came to one of the meetings. She had backslid. Her husband left her. She got in smoking marijuana all the time and drinking and just fell away from God, left the church and just lived, I don't know, what was it, six or seven years like that? And then she started to have conviction in her life and she went back to her church and her church says, you can't come back here. You have sinned against God. You have thrown your faith away. There's no repentance for you. There's no forgiveness for you. And for three months, she lived that way, thinking that she had no opportunity to ever be right with God until she met Jeff. And Jeff told her, the father takes prodigals back. Praise God. Praise God. But I'm going to tell you something. Churches don't always show this kind of love. I want us to be a church that does. When people are repenting and seeking God... Regardless of what they did in their life, however bad they might have been in their life. If they're repenting and seeking God, then open the door to God and let him come. You know, and he says this to them. He says, you ought rather to forgive him and comfort him, lest perhaps such a one should be swallowed up with much sorrow. Wherefore, I beseech you that you would confirm your love toward him. Confirm it. Express it, make it known. For to this end also did I write that I might know the proof of you, whether you be obedient in all things. To whom you forgive anything, I forgive also. For if I forgave anything, to whom I forgave it, for your sakes forgave I it in the person of Christ. Why? This is so important. Listen, lest Satan should get an advantage of us. For we are not ignorant of his devices, his plans, his schemes, and his purpose. I'm not not ignorant of his purpose. I know what Satan is after. And so why does Paul tell the church? Somebody comes in. You all know the guy. He's lived in sin. He's He's lived in a sin that has been absolutely horrific. Even the Gentiles don't tolerate this kind of sin. And so this person's life is so full of shame. You can only imagine. 
And then when the Holy Spirit begins to work on this man's life and begins to convict him about the sin that he's in and the shame that he is, and everybody in the town knows what he's done, and this is absolutely horrible. What kind of person would do something like this? And he's trying to get back into the church because he wants to be forgiven by God, and the church is stiff-arming him and keeping him out. And Paul says, no, don't do this to him. What we wanted was for him to repent. So let him back in. Forgive him. Comfort him. Confirm your love for him. Why? Because if you don't, he's going to be swallowed up with sorrow. Satan's going to swallow him. And then if we don't do that, if we don't forgive, then Satan gets an advantage of us. It's not that Satan gets an advantage over him. Satan's already swallowed him. But if you are an unforgiving church, if you are a church that does not confirm love, if you're a church that does not forgive, if you're a church that does not comfort, Satan gets an advantage over us. And what that word means is Satan actually gains ground in the congregation. He begins to have more influence in the church than the Spirit of God does. Why? Because of an unforgiving, unloving, and church that does not comfort people who are trying to be right with God. And allowing them to be swallowed up rather than saving them from the destruction of the devil. So it takes me to my last scripture, Revelation 12. And just quickly, if you will, I want you to see this. And I love this scripture. This is something that most of you are very familiar with. But I've shared this with you before. I do it in way of remembrance tonight. I want you to see this. I know this speaks of the tribulation period. But the means of overcoming the devil are are here. And they're expressed as well in Hebrews chapter 11, verses 32 through 39. And in Revelation 12, 11... And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb, by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto death. And who are they overcoming? They're overcoming Satan. And he's called Satan here. He's not called the devil. He's not called the dragon. He's called Satan, which is a legal name for accuser. He's acting as though he is a prosecutor, bringing charges against a person who has violated the ways and the laws of God and stands guilty, deserving judgment. And the Bible says that Satan, the accuser, so if anybody begins to accuse anybody, know the spirit that's behind it. It's Satan's spirit. And Satan is the accuser of the brethren. And the Bible says they overcame him. By the blood of the lamb. By the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives. They're willing to die for this. They're willing to die for it. And I want you to understand this. It doesn't say that Jesus overcame him. And it doesn't say that God overcame him. It says they overcame him. And if I, if I could, I would like to put these scriptures together from Ephesians chapter six, first Peter that we read, 
about going into manifold temptations, the trial of our faith, Satan doing everything he can possibly do to cause us to question God or doubt God or give up on God. And how we're fighting against principalities and powers. And then if you would recall in the scriptures that we read as well, even here in Revelation chapter 12 verse 11, that they overcame him. It's very similar to the instruction that Paul gave to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians chapter 2. That don't ever underestimate the participation in the presence of the devil himself. When people are trying to do business with God and God is dealing with their life. And when God begins to minister to somebody's life in mercy and God begins to minister to their life in grace. And God begins to bring conviction on their life. I assure you that somewhere Satan's going to breathe there with an accusation. And Satan is going to do everything in his power to turn the conviction of God into the condemnation of the devil. And he's going to try to turn their ear from hearing the gentle voice of mercy from the Holy Ghost. Into hearing what they might consider to be the voice of wrath and judgment against God. But it's not God. And Satan is trying to accuse them. And don't tell me there hasn't been times in your life when you haven't suffered that. And don't tell me there hasn't been times in your life when you haven't battled that. And don't tell me there might have been some people in this room that you didn't take advantage of the body of Christ. You didn't take advantage of the victory that was assured you. You didn't let people fight for you. And the devil took something from you. He gained an advantage over you. And tonight you're wounded. And tonight you're a victim. And tonight you're still in shame. And tonight you're not serving God the way that you have wanted to serve God. And you feel like there's limitation in your life. And that you'll never be able to serve God now. And you'll never be able to do the things that were in your heart at one point in your life that you wanted to do for God because you allowed the enemy to begin to swallow you up and the body of Christ is to come rushing into you and wrestle against those powers of darkness to set you free. The body of Christ is to rise up. The body of Christ is to say to the accuser of the brethren, we stand on the testimony of Jesus Christ. We stand on the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is our testimony that our sins are forgiven us and our lives are renewed and we're new creations in Christ. And by the grace of God, we are what we are. And God said he will not remember our sins and he's removed them as far as the east is from the west. And you grab that brother or that sister and you say, look at me, listen to me. Jesus Christ qualified you. Do you think by works or tears you can make yourself right with God when God by the blood of the lamb has done it? Believe on Jesus. Believe on Jesus. Die for this. Die for this. But who wrestles like that anymore? Who fights like that anymore? Who pulls their brothers through to victory? How often times do we just watch people suffer in their agony and suffer in their shame? We've lost our discernment. We've lost our compassion. We can't even discern that somebody next to us, in front of us, or behind us was suicidal last week. We don't even recognize that. And that we come and we find, you know, listen, when you go to a church, you're going to a church where people have gathered because they're facing things in life That they need a God to help them with. They're facing things in life that are too big for them and too big for money. And too big for the world. And psychologists can't help us. Is there a God? Then for God's sake, help me. I'm going to go to church. Because maybe God's there and maybe God will help me. And it is up to us to show them God. 
Philemon 1, he lives in us. And we have to acknowledge the fact that Jesus lives in me. And because Jesus lives in me, I can fight that accuser of the brethren. I can fight him. I can silence him. I can shut him up in the name of Jesus Christ. And I can save a brother or sister from being swallowed up with depression or despair or sorrow. And I can show them love. And I can give them comfort. And I can give them forgiveness in the name of Jesus Christ. Now I'm not about to give Satan one inch of ground. By being an unforgiving church or a church without comfort or a church without grace and a church without the power to rise up and say that we love one another. We're going to fight for one another and we're going to help one another. And so I've told you this before and I say it again. Work the altar. Work it. Work the altar. Jesus Christ is our altar. But people come into this altar. There's just something about it. Something special. It's not something we made up. It's not something that's just traditional. It's the place where men and women come and do business with God. It's not where people are getting saved necessarily. It's not where backsliders are repenting. It's where men and women, holy men and holy women are meeting with God. And they are fighting battles. And battles are being won and victories are being had. You just look at the people who are being prayed for in an altar. Look at that. I mean, come on, guys, open your eyes and see the spiritual reality that's around us. Look at the people that are in the altar who are being prayed for as compared to the people who don't move around are being prayed for. And people in the altar are being prayed for. Why? There's a battle going on here and there's a mind here to believe God to pull people through to victory. And I'm going to fight for you. I'm going to wrestle for you. I want to see God bring you through to victory. And, and, and there's a real power there. There's a real life. You're demonstrating faith. And faith comes out of you and, and, and all of a sudden you're hearing testimonies and you're seeing victories and you're saying, oh my God, look what the Lord is doing. He actually used me. I mean, of all people, God used me. And yes, because he only had one good son, right? And so who among us is worthy of serving the Father but Jesus Christ? But Jesus Christ has qualified all of us as believers to serve the Father. And to be kings and priests unto our God. And he's given us the opportunity to love one another. And I ask us to express that in a greater depth than maybe we ever have in our life. Because in September last year, I told you it's the two minute warning. We got a minute and a half left. What are you waiting on? What are you waiting on? There's going to be a rapture. And everything you've been wanting to do, you're not going to be able to do. And the greatest thing you can do is love. That's the greatest thing you can do. Love one another. And when we go and we pray and we move around this room and we pray and we pray over needs. What are we doing? We're loving one another. We're helping one another. We see a brother or sister in sin. And like the Apostle Paul. I'm not doing this to grieve you. I'm doing it because I actually love you. And I want to bring you out of your sin. And I want to help you walk with God. And it's done in compassion. And it's done in love. And you help a person become restored with God. And they know, man, I'm I'm loved. People know me for what I am. And they still love me. They still want me around there. And yeah, we, we really do. Because we're all the same. And we don't want Satan to swallow anybody up. That one life, that one soul is so valuable, it's worth the giving of my life. 
to save that one life. And to have that compassion. Because I believe when we work the altar. I believe when we, when we are not spectator Christians. But real spirit filled Christians. Who believe in the power of the Holy Spirit. And the call of God upon our lives as his children. Then we're going to demonstrate that in faith. In love. And in warfare. And when I see you struggling with something. I'm going to come to you because I love you. I went to Marissa tonight because I love her. I care that she's suffering. I don't know her parents. But I care that she's suffering. And I see the pain that's in her heart. I see the care that's in her life. I'm going to be praying for her tonight because my heart's moved for that. But listen, if my heart can be moved, anybody's can. I'm an assassin at heart. God's given me a new heart. God's given me a compassion for people. And I see that and I'm moved. How are you doing tonight? We're praying for you. Can we pray for you tonight, Marissa? Can we pray for your family tonight? And she's like, oh, please do. Please pray for us. And I watched so many of you go get around her. Why would you do that? Because that's love. Love is compelling you to do it. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't it beautiful? Wouldn't it be just tragic if somebody said, oh, my parents are suffering and and they're in pain and I don't even know that they're saved and church pray for me and they're just standing there praying by themselves. But when people come and they draw near to you and they're, they're confirming love and comfort and forgiveness and faith and fighting the devil and coming against principalities and powers of darkness. And if a brother's in sin, if a brother is in sin, And Satan is bringing legal charges against that brother. Because when Satan goes to God's bar as as Satan, he's not bringing lies. These are legitimate offenses that the Christian is guilty of. And Satan goes and he brings these accusations against this brother. And the they, and the they overcome him. By the blood of the Lamb. By the word of their testimony. And they love not their life unto death. Oh my God, that's revival. And we're going to fight together for each other. We're going to demonstrate love for each other. And you know why I'm going into that altar and I'm going to pray? You know why I walk into the church? And I love it. I love when I walk in here. Everybody's talking. It's happy. People are laughing. Music's playing. I just like, do we have to start on time? I mean, this is just great. I just love the way you love one another. You know, and then we just get started and we go into that service and it's just beautiful. You're looking around and saying, God, who needs help tonight? Put somebody on my heart. Show me something. I saw Bill and Marcel go and get Jeff and Tammy and bring them to the altar. I said, I want to pray for them. I feel a burden to go. So I just walked over there and prayed for them. I didn't push Bill and Marcel out of the way and say, my prayers are better than yours. Because Marcel totally outpraised me. But I just went to pray. I just went to pray. They may not have even known that I was there. I just went and prayed over them. I don't have to be loud. I don't have to jump up and I'm just praying. I'm interceding. A lot of times I don't know what to pray for. I'm just praying in the spirit. I'm praying in my tongues. I'm believing God. God might show me something. And I just want them to know I'm with you. I'm fighting for you. 
God's going to pull us through. We're going to make this. The grace of God's going to carry us through. We're going to walk by faith. We're going to see the glory of God. Our inheritance is in heaven. It's not in this earth. Let's just take another day and go forward. And we just keep doing it. We're loving each other all the way. How beautiful is that? Let's be that church. Let's be. I want the youth to be that way to one another. I want us to all be that way to one another. To really serve God like that. So I just say to you. Live in the altar. Be in the altar. Don't let the devil take this from us. Could you agree with me, Jeff? When the altar's not there, that building will become a mosque or it'll become a bar. You take the altar away and you have removed the place where God meets with men. And that altar is Christ. And too many people are too big to get in an altar. So humble yourself and come to God. But also work the altar. Because this is our Wednesday night crowd. Work the altar. Work it. Pray for people. Love people. Believe. Know what is in you to give them. Stand with me. And if you would, would you just draw near with me right now in this altar? And can we just take a moment before we dismiss? Would you pray for an anointing right now? Can we do that? Would you pray for an anointing in your life? Would you pray that the Holy Spirit would touch you and give you the revelation of Christ that is in you? Of all the good things that are in you in Christ. And would you just begin to pray? Would you give me the boldness, Holy Spirit, to begin to walk in faith? Would you give me the boldness to walk in faith that you would be able to help people through my life, that you would help me, God, to keep people from being swallowed up by the devil. God, that you would help me be the kind of believer that will not give Satan an advantage in our church. But God, you would help me be the kind of believer that gives advantage to the Holy Spirit and the influence of the Holy Spirit and the life of the Holy. Come on, lift your hands, pray. Come on, y'all, pray. I've listened to you talk when I'm walking into church. I know y'all can talk. Talk to God. Ask for the anointing.